Welcome into the Fumbling Punter. I'm your host, Devin Keeney. And I'm your co-host, Lucas Jones. So, Lucas is joining us for our uh, Major League Baseball preview, and we are going to start right now with the National League East. But before we get into that, the World Baseball Classic Championship was last night. That's what had me fumbling over my words. I was so pumped about that American win last night. So the U.S. got their first World Baseball Classic title, uh, seven to nothing or eight nothing? I think it was eight to nothing. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, eight nothing. And uh, how good did uh, Marcus Stroman pitch? Really good, and it was kind of a bounce back game for him because uh, uh, late last week he kind of got lit up. Yeah, and so I was really happy to see that he had a no hitter going into the seventh. Yeah, that's right, and. You know, it, it got broke up, which was fine because he's probably about to get pulled anyways because of pitch limits. Oh, man, no way. No way would I have pulled Stroman. That's I, the rules, man. To hell with they their have... pitch count. Uh, Major League Baseball Commissioner uh, Manfred. Yeah. Manfred was there. Manfred should have just stepped in and said, he's going for the no-hitter. You know, the interesting thing about that was, and they had said that Stroman originally was almost going to pitch for Puerto Rico. And someone had dug up a tweet from the last World Baseball Classic where he said he cannot wait to compete for Puerto Rico in the next one. But as fate would have it, he ended up pitching for the United States. (laughs) Well, I'm glad he did because if he was pitching for the other side, we might not have that title right now. Yeah, it would have been a much different story. Yeah, and uh, so going on in the future, I really hope to see some of the stars, you know, uh, Harper, Bryant, Trout get into the World Baseball Classic. I wanted Kershaw to pitch the championship in Dodger Stadium. How cool would that have been? That would have been sweet. There were talks about it. Something happened. He didn't want to get out of his habit or his rhythm. Um, that would have been nice. But yeah, I always, I've said all along, the American team would have been a little funner to watch if your outfield was Trout, Bryant, and Harper. That would have just made a world of difference. But uh, the guys that did play, they're solid major leaguers too. They're not the big superstars that were missing. Uh, but the World Baseball Classic, the next one, Mike Trout has already committed. And Noah Syndergaard, after saying, uh, you know, he made some comment about you don't get into the Hall of Fame by pitching World Baseball Classic. He's backpedaled in the last week or so and said he's willing to uh, go for the United States the next time around. So, uh Bring it on in four more years. We're ready to defend that title. Heck yeah! And I'm I'm as pumped as anyone to see Thor pitching for the USA. And uh, you know, the more superstars you get in, the more fun it's going to be for everyone. Uh, so funny thought that I had last night as I was watching that game, uh, thinking about you know how Cuba had a lot of success early on in the World Baseball Classic, and then now all of their all stars are here in America pitching. And I was thinking that this was probably in like the Reagan coalition plan to end communism, that we're going to steal all of their good baseball players and then just crush them in some world tournament. Ronald Reagan would support that theory 100%. (laughs) I I just thought about that and I was dying laughing. I figured you would enjoy that that, uh, perspective on Cuba, on Cuban-American relations right now. But anyhow, we are going to get into this baseball preview that we have been hyping for so long. And Lucas, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited for this. Yeah, we're down to, I don't know, 10 days before the season starts. So we're right up there. We're almost through the finish and the season's about to get going. Um, the baseball classic just ended, so what a perfect time to uh, get brushed up on the teams and who's who's going to compete this year, who might be sellers who might just you know 
just hoping they get a few fans to show up to the park. Uh, it's, it should be a good season, though. I'm excited for it. As am I. So let's get in, and we're going to do these teams in order of alphabetical. Uh, you know, try to just do that way so we're not giving away our predictions until the end of the podcast. So let's start with the Atlanta Braves. The 2016 Atlanta Braves went 68-93. They added Bartolo Colon, R.A. Dickey, Jaime Garcia, and Brandon Phillips in the offseason. And Lucas, do you want to get into their projected lineup? Yeah, this is a team that they're opening a new stadium. They've been rebuilding the last couple of years. But what they've done is they went out and they got some veteran talent, um, you know, guys toward the end of their careers, really, some injury-prone guys, too, um, to try to win some more games in their inaugural season in the new stadium. So, And also on the flip side of that, if they're not, these are guys that can be flipped in July. For You're not going to get a lot of marginal prospects, but... You know, you never know who might turn into something. So, you know, that's something they got planned going on. But one thing we do know, um, probably at the top of their lineup, they're going to have their uh, superstar shortstop, Dansby Swanson. Um, Highly touted prospect. They got him in the Shelby Miller trade with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Crazy trade, by the (laughs) way. The Braves definitely walked away with that trade. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, The thing is, they even got him after they have a – uh, their top prospect is Ozzie Albies, who um, is also a shortstop, but he's been practicing a lot of second base, um, so he may be up later on in the year. What I'm going to try to do is list some of the top prospects that are close to Major League Ready while we're going through these teams, but that was a good introduction to him right now. Is just you know The Braves have that middle infield uh, locked up for years to come as long as they keep a hold of Albies. He's been in some trade talks for some stud pitchers like maybe Quintana, but now the now the Braves and White Sox don't really match up on that because the White Sox are locked up long-term middle infield. But his name's thrown out there for other trades. So what? basically, he's going to be ready towards the end of the year. It may knock Brandon Phillips out of a job. They're hoping they can flip Phillips in July. Um, now, do you know if his no-trade clause went with him to – or? He did have no trade calls, right? Because that's why he didn't go to Washington in he, last offseason. I'm not sure if it, his trade cause clause was contractual. It may have been the 10-5 and five rule where if you're a 10-year veteran with five consecutive years on the same team, you have an automatic no trade clause. So I'm not sure on that. Yeah, I just wondered on that is if that might you know, help or hurt him in getting traded in the summer. Yeah, I mean, it could. He probably wants to win. He finally, he loves Cincinnati. He finally decided to give in to the trade. Um, So, you know, he's going to be able to teach Dansby Swanson and Ozzy Albies and some of these other guys uh, a lot of of veteran things about baseball. He should be a good presence. People generally like him. Non-St. Louis Cardinal fans generally like him. Yeah, we hate him. (laughs) And, uh... (laughs) You know, so let's say, I mean, you don't know. What if Dustin Pedroia gets hurt? Maybe the Red Sox need a second baseman. Boom, Brandon Phillips. If if Logan Forsyth gets hurt, maybe the Dodgers need somebody. Or Joe Panic gets hurt again. The Giants need to pick up a second baseman. So there may be somebody willing to trade for Brandon Phillips. And that may work out just fine for the Braves to bring up Ozzy and get him some uh, major league experience. Um. So I'm just going to run through the lineup real quick. I had Dansby at the top. And batting behind him, I had Ender and Ciarte. 
He's the uh, center fielder. He's locked up long term. He also came over in that Shelby Miller trade. Um, he's a pretty, you know, he's a good player. He's a good defender. Um, he can get on base and he's fast. Uh, batting third, you had Matt Kemp. He kind of turned his career around a little bit when he got to Atlanta last year. Oh yeah. Um, he didn't do very good with San Diego, and they thought he was a little overweight in Atlanta, but he still hit good. But got Freddie Freeman a little protection, who I got batting fourth, and they may flip flop in the order. I'm not sure. Love Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman had a monster second half last year. Um, so we kind of broke out of the slump. He played on Team Canada. He was their, like, star player, their only player that, you know, struck any sort of amount of fear in you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, batting fifth, you got Nick Markakis. Six, Brandon Phillips. Seven, Adonis Garcia at third base, who, uh, you know, he he's a marginal player at best. Um, they're rebuilding. He is one of them guys where if three years from now, if he's still their third baseman, they might be okay with it. But if they have a prospect below him that is any sort of better, they're probably waving goodbye to him at some point. Um, in catching, they have Tyler Flowers and Kurt Suzuki, who will probably split some time there. Um, there were rumors that they were going to go after Matt Weeders, but they just either didn't work out or... He wanted to go to somebody who they knew was going to win. <clears throat> so let's look at their rotation for 2017 there in Atlanta. You know, they added some arms, so let's break that down real quick. Yeah, they went out and they signed R.A. Dickey, Bartolo Colon, and traded for Jaime Garcia. Um, all of who've had different sorts of success in their career. Garcia historically um, can come out and hold a two and a half ERA for 11 weeks, get hurt, which he has about every year of his career. Every single year. And, and just somehow just not, you know, his ERA ends up a little higher. Yeah. Um, Bartolo Colon, you know, he's like 50, you know. <laughs> he's really not. He's like 43 or 44. Hit a dinger last year. Everybody loves him. You know, he's around. You he's have to guy. love Bartolo And he didn't pitch Colon. bad, though, last year. He was probably, you know, outside of Noah Syndergaard, he was the second most reliable. I'm not going to say the best, second best pitcher on the Mets, but he was the second most reliable. Oh, yeah. And R.A. Dickey had that one phenomenal year, knuckleballer, where he won the Cy Young. And then the Mets, you know, they kind of they kind of took over the Blue Jays when they traded him to the Blue Jays. They got Syndergaard in that deal. Yeah, they got Travis Ransom. Gardner. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Blue Jays would love to have that trade back right now because <laughs> R.A. Dickey has been not great since then. But it's veteran presence, and these guys are, you know, the Braves are trying to win in their first season back home. Um, so, to- so sorry to interrupt you there. I was just thinking about the they're talking about their new home. Uh, so the what do they call that? The Turner Field. That's is, where they're at. No, okay, that's where they were at. So Turner Field opened in like 1994, 95, right around there. Right out, it was after the or it was it right was around like 1996. The, 96. Okay, I think you're they right. You're built right. it for the Olympics for the, years for the 96 Olympics. Maybe I think I don't know. I'm just no, guessing. No, I was you, like seven. You're you're right. I was eight, so I, I have that knowledge <laughs> of the time. So the the new stadium opened in 1996, 97, right around that time. And how crazy is it that a stadium downtown Atlanta, barely 20 years old, is getting demolished and they're moving out to the suburbs to Cobb County, I believe, is where that new stadium's at. Yeah, they must have not 
I don't know. Because Canvin Yards is just a few years older than that, and it's still, you know, one of the most, the best, it's still always ranked up there, top five best parks to go to. Then, of course, you got Fenway and Wrigley, who are both well over 100 years old now, and nobody's even talking about demolishing them and building new ones. Oh, there would be riots, like full-scale riots oh, yeah, if they but, tried to tear you know, Wrigley, with the down. renovations they're doing, it's going to be like a new stadium. <clears throat> yeah, so, Lucas, do you have any more notes on the Braves? Yeah, on their pitching staff. Um, the rest of the guys they have is Julio Tirahan, who's been in trade talks last year as they were rebuilding. Now it's to the point they probably hold on to him. He's a good arm. Um, but the Braves have a ton of pitching prospects. Uh, some of them have had a taste of MLB. Uh, Matt Wisler and Aaron Blair, to be specific, they're highly touted. Um, they also have Sean Newcomb, who came over in the Andrelton Simmons trade with the mm-hmm. Angels. Ian Anderson and Tukey Toussaint, who came over from the Bray, uh, Diamondbacks in a deal prior to the Dansby Swanson deal. It was a different deal, but Tukey is another high, highly picked guy that the Braves do have from the Diamondbacks. Um, so, uh, And you got to love the name Tukey regardless. They have, oh, yeah, definitely. So the Braves have a deep farm system of pitchers. They have a couple of good batters to build around. Swanson, Freeman... Uh, NCRTE and Albies will be the core of that team moving forward. Um, so unless they want, I mean, they're gonna. You want deep pitching staffs mm-hmm. in your farm system because not every pitcher turns out. So if you can hit on one out of every nine pitchers you draft, most teams would say that's good. They'll take it if you can get a top two or three guy out of one out of every nine. They'll take that all day every day. So the Braves are setting themselves up to have a couple of studs come up. And, you know, at the very least, they'll have a lot of three, four, five guys to eat some innings, develop some major league uh, experience on their team. Ultimately, uh, the Braves are a team that is rebuilding still, that is trying to win. Um, I don't expect a ton of wins from them this year. But Brian Snicker did a good job with them when he took over last year. He ended up getting the full-time job. So hopefully... The ownership lets him, uh, gives him a few years to work with these guys and not get hasty like in the NFL when you just fire a coach after the two bad seasons. Yeah, Rebuilding's a process. Look at all the teams. It takes three or four years, but if done right, you know, you're going to win. Yeah, absolutely. So that wraps up kind of our Atlanta Braves preview, unless you got anything to add in, Luke. Okay, so now we're going to go to the good old-fashioned Marlins of Miami. And so I thought that the Marlins were going to be sold with the whole uh, Lori being named the ambassador to France. And then it sounded like that family was backing out because of his political affiliation. And so the Marlins have not been sold, correct? Not yet, but supposedly they're still on the market. Um, The family that was supposedly going to buy him was Jared Kushner's family. He is married to Ivanka Trump. Um, His father did some time in the jail for some you know, white-collar crime stuff that, uh, you know, whatever. He still has billions of dollars. So it was actually going to be his brother that was going to head up the buying because MLB is not going to sell a team to a convicted felon. Um, Or Mark Cuban. (laughs) Or Mark Cuban. (laughs) That's true. Um, But it sounds like, uh, you know, the media, they went on about quid pro quo and all this stuff. Um, I don't think ambassador to France or whatever it was going to be is the, you know, I don't think it's something that you really like 
try to extort or quid pro quo, but yeah. the optics didn't look good. So Mitt Rom- one of Mitt Romney's sons apparently is trying to buy the team. Um, so it sounds like the Marlins are a political favorite, um, at least <laughs> on the like right that. side. Uh, but as of right now, Jeffrey Loria still has the team, and uh, most people do not like that. Yeah, so sorry, Marlins fans, that you still have your same shitty owner from the last 20 years. Uh, so they did add uh, Chin and Edison Volquez, but you know they did have that tragic loss of Fernandez at the end of last season, which left a pretty big hole in their starting pitching staff. So, Lucas, do you have any notes before we get into lineups here? Uh, well, other than that, was a huge, huge loss in Fernandez. He was on track for a Hall of Fame career. Dude was a stud. Um, don't do know, cocaine and don't boat. Don't do cocaine and drink and drive a boat. It never works out. Never. So, looking at the Marlins roster, I'm going to go ahead and get this started because I'm guessing that D. Gordon is going to lead off and play second base. Yeah, as long as he stays off the juice, he will, uh, you know, I know he's only like 120 pounds. so <laughs> Soaking wet. <laughs> But, you know, he did some juice last year, served some time, uh, you know, but I still think he's a good player. He probably didn't need to do that. I don't know why, but, you know, he's good for 50 steals. And, yeah. you know, he, he was batting 300 in 2015, so good little player. Yeah. And uh, then moving on in the lineup, I see that you have Yelich batting second. And I want to talk about Yelich for a second. He's kind of emerged i think in the world baseball classic and you know he kind of flew under the radar there in miami <laughs> and i really like christian yelich oh i like him too and they've been talking about him for a couple of years now um now he's flourishing today that a lot of people's chosen him as a huge breakout guy this year um i don't want to say breakout because he was good last year so if he gets better he's just still maturing um but yeah he he really proved himself he came out on the national stage in the World Baseball Classic, um, the Marlins have one of the top outfields of the game. Um, I'm not going to say it's the best outfield, but they're definitely top three, top four. Um, so, and I have the next, the other two outfielders. I actually have um, batting three, four in the lineup, and that's Giancarlo Stanton and Marcelo Zuna. I love Ozuna. He keeps getting better too. He's kind of like a Yelich guy. He may quote unquote break out. But he had a good year last year. I expect him to get better. And Stanton, okay, I tweeted something last night. I said, you can simultaneously recognize and acknowledge Stanton's massive out-of-this-world power. And that he's a little bit overrated, too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, he, ooh. he He has to bat three or four in the lineup. You have to. But until he can play more than 120 games in a season... And, you know, get his batting average up to at least 260, 270 consistently. He's a little bit overrated. I do think if he could play 150 games and bat 260, the dude's going to be the next player to hit 50 home runs, which has been years since that's been done. Um, but I think he can do it. Yeah, Joey Bats hit 50 home runs a couple of years ago. Well, it's not like it used to be in the steroid era, <laughs> not which when, I miss. Not when your second baseman in the seven hole was... Giving you 50 home runs a year. That's right. <laughs> Jeff Kent. God bless the late 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> what a time to be alive. And um, so you can go ahead and finish that lineup out uh, now for I us. I have 
I have, and to finish out the lineup, I have Justin Bauer at first base. Um, he kind of last year was his first full year. He's got some decent power. Um, Martin Prado at third base. He had to put out the World Baseball Classic because of an injury. Um, but he's a guy that, you know, will bat close to around 300. He's supposed to be okay, ready to go for the season. Catching JT Romuto, um, solid catcher. In baseball today, if you get a guy that's going to catch 145 games for you and have a decent at bat, uh, you know, he's someone you lock up long term, and that's what they're going to do with JT. And their longtime shortstop now has been Adini Hecaveria. Got him batting eighth. Kind of light in the bat, but, you know, he's fast when he does get on base, but he's a phenomenal shortstop. Oh, gee, that guy has some phenomenal hands. He's not, he's not Andrelton Simmons. But he's right below him, probably. Yeah, he's an incredible defensive shortstop. In the, in the Marlins on their bench, they have A.J. Ellis, who they signed to help. Uh, you know, Don Mattingly's familiar with him from his day, days in L.A. So he likes the leadership Ellis can bring. A.J. Ellis may be the next kind of like David Ross guy. Never really that good, but everybody loves you, wants you on the team because the things you bring to him. And the uh, Marlins still have Ichiro on the team. So, you know, he still produces when he gets to play. He's, you know, he probably passes every day playing time. But he's a nice little backup guy to have, especially when Stanton only plays 120 games a year. Oh, definitely. Uh, Devin kind of touched that, that they'd signed Chin and Volquez for the pitching staff. Um, coming back, they still they have Adam Conley and Tom Culler. I think they're really going to lean on Volquez and Conley this year. They need Volquez to bounce back. He didn't have a very good season last year, but they really need him to bounce back. Um, they also got Dan Straley, who can, you know, he's one of them guys that you're okay with him being your fourth, your fourth or fifth pitcher. Um, and then he also signed Jeff Locke from the Pirates last year, who I've seen him pitch some good games and I've seen him pitch some complete junkers. The the strength of their pitching staff, though is going to be in their bullpen where they have David Phelps, they signed Janichi Tazawa, Brad Ziegler, and they have A.J. Romos back from last year. So yeah. they're trying to have a good, uh, you know, uh, seven, eight, nine type of uh, bullpen. Um, it's a solid bullpen. It's not sexy, but it's solid. Yeah. I mean, a good bullpen will take you a long way. They have, and, you know, they don't really have any prospects of note. They have one of the thinnest farm systems. That's why losing play. That's Fernandez is a tragedy, but you know you hate to bring up someone's death on what it does to the organization. But they don't have a lot of prospects that are MLB ready or even close, so they're having to make do. They don't have the biggest budget in the world. They're having to make do and hope that uh, hope that they can squeak into the playoffs. So the nice thing is we'll be able to just cut that segment and play it right into the Royals preview whenever we get to the AL Central. Because I've said that exact same thing about the Royals moving forward, that they had an affordable, great young pitcher who they tragically lost in a car accident, and that they really don't have anything. I mean, they have a, a very thin farm system as well, and they're not going to get a guy making $5 million for the next three years of control that are that good, kind of this almost the same situation as here in Miami. It really is. Um, it costs money to, well, you can't, these smaller market teams can't replace that kind of talent with the money they have or don't have. Well, now, let's let's clear something up. Miami, not a small market. But it's been ran like a small market team for several years. Hey, I'm all for these teams that 
getting, you know, they're going to sell for a billion and a half dollars. Only billionaires can afford teams. If you're a billionaire, spend your fucking money. <laughs> exactly. That's what I've been saying. That's why so, Oakland needs sold. David oh, yeah. Glass. David Glass, you know, he has expanded the budget. Now, we'll get this into the Royals. I don't think it's been smart money he's spent. But he has spent some money and got them up in the top 10, top 12 type payrolls, which, you know, you can't complain too much about that. Hey, the guy made it through on a Mountain View, Missouri education. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I went to his business school at Missouri State. or It was in the, the building named after him. So I feel an intimate closeness to David Glass. <laughs> So maybe you can uh, tell him not to give another Alex Gordon or Ian Kennedy contract while you're at it. He'd have so much money if he didn't. Yeah. So I was going to end the Marlins notes by saying that as long as uh, Lori doesn't sell the whole team off as like a going away present for the Marlins fans, that they should be pretty – I mean, they should – I'm a believer in Donnie Baseball. Yeah. So I think he's going to have – If he could bring back that stash from the 80s, though – Oh, that's 100% he needs to do that. Going into the playoffs. Apparently, though, like, mustaches in today's world are kind of, you know, sometimes you can have them. Some jobs you're only allowed to do that. Apparently, the Marlins don't believe in long hair or beards, and that's why Andrew Kashner was 100% not going to sign back with him, which I think is silly. But, uh, you know, I think he needs to bring back the mustache and let the guys grow a beard if they want to grow a beard because, well, I have a beard myself and... You know, I'm a little biased, but, you know, some of these facial hair rules is 2017. Let's move on, Don. Exactly. And, you know, Donnie Baseball can just put some fear in you with that mustache if he's out there. Oh, yeah. So now let's move on to the lovable. Actually, I can't say the lovable losers that everybody loves to hate, the Phillies, uh, because we did promise that guy in that on Twitter and the Peter King back and forth that we were going to say nice things about Philly. So... <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm I'm still searching for something nice. I to got say. several nice things to say. I'll make up for both of it. They're not real nice. They're gonna suck again this year. So we're just gonna let's just go ahead and throw that out there. Um, but you know what? They have some nice arms. They have some nice prospects. They're young, and uh, they're gonna have some of the most money to spend after 2018. So they're 100 gonna make a run for Harper Machado. Uh, you know, maybe Matt Harvey, if his career bounces back. There's lots of guys free after that year, though. Clayton Kershaw can Is opt Chris out. Bryant? Chris Bryant will not be on the market <laughs> that year. It'll be a long, long time before he's on the market. Yeah, especially after he takes the Cubs for all they're worth. Worth it. So, uh, the, I was looking at some of their ads, and uh, I have Buckholtz, Kendrick, Sanders. Does that sound right? Saunders, Saunders, yeah, Saunders. Saunders, yeah. And uh, Ryan Howard's no longer on the team. Ryan Howard is a free agent right now, looking for work. Heard he still wants to play some. He wants to hit 195 and pop out 25 home runs. I mean, who knows? Some team, you know, maybe the Tampa Bay Devil Rays want Rays want him. Uh, stupid name change. Uh, but jumping back over to the Phillies, uh, that. Their era, the Phillies that we know, is now officially over. A lot of us who grew up, kind of Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, they're all gone. I grew up in the Doug Glanville Philly era. Also, there's that, yes. Uh, That was was just a few years predating the ones where they were winning 100 games a year and going to the World Series and stuff. 
Um, but they do have some uh, nice young guys mixed with some uh, veteran guys in their lineup. Uh, leading off the top, we got Odubel Herrera, who they just signed long-term on a decent cheap deal for his talent. Center fielder, um, pretty decent guy. He'll be around there for a while. They got Freddie Galvis at shortstop right now, probably starting the season. Um, J.P. Crawford's their number one prospect. He's been talked about for a couple years. He's a shortstop. They're not quite sure if he's ready yet, but he'll definitely be in the majors by the end of the year. Um, they're not going to wait around much longer. Um, Michael Saunders, they got him batting third. He's probably, you know, and he come from the Blue Jays where he didn't sniff batting third. Yeah. So now he's kind of their power guy. Tommy Joseph playing first base. He was splitting time with Howard next last year. Um, now this is full-time job. They expect a lot of power out of him. In the five hole, you got Mikel Franco, who came up a couple years ago, hit a lot of home runs. They're hoping to see some more growth out of him. They're hoping he hasn't quite hit his peak yet because they need, if they got third base filled when they start the rest of their rebuild, then they're good to go. You want to have that good, solid third baseman um, on any team, and he's there. Um, they signed Howie Kendrick um, probably to play outfield mostly this year. He played um, outfield with the Dodgers last year. Um, so he's familiar there. Um, catching, just from the lack of options, I penciled in Jorge Alfaro, who came over um, from the Rangers in that Cole Hamels trade, one of the Rangers' top prospects at the time. I didn't um, even write down a catcher. He played, he played for Columbia, I think, in the World Baseball Classic and put together a, a couple of long home runs. So he's another one of their young guys they have that they uh, – really like and they're going to build around him and in the eighth spot playing second base i have cesar hernandez plugged in there he's played there the last couple of seasons another guy they like on their bench i got tyler goodell and cameron rupp and then i have jp crawford wrote down there again but if he comes up to the majors he's not riding the yeah, bench he's... you don't waste service time by putting someone on a bench oh yeah <clears throat> so they got a mix there of some veteran guys and some young guys um, it's not a lineup that's going to beat you night in and night out. Um, they're going to squeak out. You know, They might streak out three or four runs and hope their pitching staff holds you. Um, which, their pitching staff, they, I think they can hold you to less than three runs a game, uh, you know, half the time at least. Yeah, so let's talk about that pitching staff real quick. Uh, up top, I got Vince Veliquez. He got hurt last year, but before that he had a good ERA and he strikes out a ton of guys. Uh, Aaron Nola. Uh, one of their top prospects they brought up last year. Yeah. He had a decent year. He battled some injuries, too. Um, in the third spot, I have Jeremy Hillickson, who they extended the qualifying offer to. Yep. And he decided to take that $17 million because I don't think he would have got $17 million <laughs> on the open market. Hell yeah, I'll take that $17 million. <laughs> Show me the money. He's like Kirk Cousins of Major League Baseball. Man, now I wish we had a quick little sound thing that had the Shane McMahon entrance song WF was like, show me the money. <laughs> uh, another young guy they have probably pitching behind Hellickson is Jared Eikhoff. He pitched several games for him last year. One of them again, one of their uh, top pitching prospects. And they traded for Clay Buchholz. Um, so they're hoping, you know, the last couple of years have been pretty tumultuous for him in uh, Boston. Um so they wanted to get rid of him. They did. So he's kind of, you know, he's just there to eat up some innings. If he's got any knowledge to pass on to these guys, um, 
that that's probably the most he will don't drink contribute. beer and eat chicken in the clubhouse yeah, that's the knowledge yeah, that's he has the to pass knowledge on you have to pass. and pete mckinnon's a good manager I, I should say that he he uh took over there and they gave him the full-time job um and so i think they're going to stick with him because they just like the way the younger guys respond to him um the bullpen for the phillies they got uh benoit Nishek, who pitched pretty good for the USA. Yeah. Um, you know, he might be a pretty good pitcher. I thought he was okay when he pitched for the Cardinals. I didn't think he was like a burner or something you're scared of. But, you know what, maybe he is. I I thought he looked good. Yeah, yeah. I, I always thought he looked good whenever he was with the Cardinals. And last year they had Gene Mar Gomez. And I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but whatever. That's how it's spelled. Uh, they had him closing, so... I hope he closes this year because I have him on one of my fantasy teams because I waited to take a closer till real late. <laughs> uh, uh, so the Phillies team, though, they are uh, they're rebuilding. They have a lot of money. Uh, they don't have much money um, committed to people after the 2018 season. Um, so they're going to be big, 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 big free agent players. The Dodgers have a lot of free money after 2018. The Yankees have a lot of free money in the Phillies, and they're all three big markets with deep pockets, and there's going to be a bidding war for the long list of studs that are going to be out there after 2018. Um, and before we move on, let me just run through some of these prospects. We may be hearing their names this year. Um, obviously, Alfaro, uh, Alfaro and J.P. Crawford are their top two uh, prospects that are ready. I'm not saying they're the best, but they're the ones that are probably likely to see playing time this year. They also have Mark. They also have Mark Appel, um, overall draft pick for the Astros, number one. Um, went ahead of Chris Bryant. Thank you, Houston Astros. <laughs> uh, they probably would have picked Chris Bryant, but I'm sure the Cardinals hacked in and messed up their rankings or something. Yeah, they uh, they <laughs> totally like password was one two three four, logged in and changed their rankings and put him over Chris Bryant. Well, they just like looking at him so much that they wanted him to be a Chicago Cup. <laughs> Maybe they thought that he was going to be Mark Reynolds 2.0 as well. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> they got a, but they got Mark Appel in that uh, uh, Ken Giles trade with the Astros. And uh, I mean, they got a bunch of guys from the Astros, uh, Velquez and Appel and a few other guys in that Ken Giles trade. I thought the Astros might have gave up a little much in that trade. Yeah. They're probably wishing they had Vince Velquez right now. Um, but Jake Thompson, top starting pitching prospect. Um, last year's number, or their first round pick, Mickey Moniak. Um, he's the outfield prospect, and Nick Williams. Uh, they So they have some good guys that are still maturing. Um, the next couple years for the Phillies is just getting better. And flipping guys, they'll probably trade Hellickson and Kendrick and Saunders um, sometime this year if, you know, if somebody wants them. Uh, so they're just getting better, biding their time. And, you know, 2019 to 2020, they're going to be back and ready to go. Yeah, so when you said Mickey, I was really hoping you were going to say Mickey Morandini. I was going to be all sorts <laughs> of pumped. Mickey Morandini Jr.? Well, we've seen it Delano to Shields Jr. Yeah, so. I mean, so... I'm sorry that I got excited for Mickey Morandini. So, uh, we did say some nice things about the Phillies, so hopefully that guy is now a regular listener of the <laughs> podcast. And let's get on to another team that I love to hate, the New York Mets. The 
So the Mets kept Cespedes, and but they did lose Bartolo. They did that big loss, huge loss. Yeah, literally, literally. So let's uh, let's start looking at their lineup, and we will. Uh, well, before we get in their lineup, I want to talk about uh, Matt Harvey's velocity right now. So his velocity has been a pretty big point of note in the major league baseball off season or you know since spring training started uh, i think he was coming out throwing like 91 92 in his first spring training game what do you think about all this do you think it's just fake news as they say or yeah it was the first week or two of spring training uh the other day he was hitting about 94 again so 94 is not 98 lucas 94 is not 98 but given some time he had like a rib taken out of his body if i understand thoracic outlet surgery right um talk to marilyn manson about the I'm, rib not, surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a i'm not a i'm not a pitching coach i don't know what it's gonna take matt harvey had the talent um he may bounce back if he's a career number three guy well he's a number three on a team that can afford to have matt Harvey number three pitcher so, yeah 25 million dollars is gonna be a lot of money to pay for a number three pitcher on a staff Although the Cardinals gave Mike Leake like $15 million a year Say, to be a number five guy. Is Mike Harvey $10 million better than Mike Leake? He might be. It's hard to say right now. I mean, last year was his first year back from Tommy John surgery too. I don't know. It was his second. I don't know. Matt Harvey needs to stay healthy. He needs to get. Oh, they have a lot of pitchers that need to stay healthy. Oh, well, yeah, that's the key for them. Um, but I love, love, love their pitching staff. You know, during this podcast, we're assuming health. Yeah, yeah. For the full season. I'm not going to guess on who's going to get hurt and win. Let's just say everyone's going to stay healthy. But if I'm betting on somebody to have some sort of minor shoulder or arm problem, I'm putting my money right now on Jaime Garcia. That's just track well, record. Well, yeah, that's that's not even – like you don't even have to be an actuary at an insurance company to know that Garcia is going to get hurt. Like that's that's going to happen at some point. So let's look at the New York Mets uh, projected starting lineup for this year. Okay, so this is going to be one of the more, uh, well, it's not really versatile um, because they don't have a lot of guys that can play different positions. So I'm going to say it's volatile. Um, It's going to be a lot of uh, who knows because they have four outfielders they really like. They have Cespedes, Bruce, Granderson, and Michael Conforto, who's their top prospect. I don't even think he has rookie status anymore, but they're talking about he may be starting in AAA this year. Um, but he's had a really good spring, so he probably deserves the shot. Now, the one saving grace for them is Lucas Duda may not be ready to go for the season, so they've been trying out Jay Bruce at first base. So that opens up another outfield spot where Granderson, Granderson can slide to right and Conferto can start and left. Um, so right now, the way I have the lineup set up, is I have Granderson in left, Neil Walker second, Cespedes center field, Duda at first, Jay Bruce in right, David Wright at third base, who's probably not going to start the season, so Jose Reyes will be starting there. Travis Darno and Kevin Palicki splitting time between catcher and Wilmer Flores. Uh, Drupal Cabrera is going to be starting at shortstop. And Wilmer Flores is going to be, uh, he's the guy that cried when he thought he got traded. Yeah. Um, he's going to fill in there. He can fill in at second and first and third. So he's going to be one of these super utility guys. He's not happy about it, but that's kind of, that's where he's going to be. Um, now, again, I say this, 
Duda is not may not be ready for the opening. So Jay Bruce may be playing some first base and Conforto playing in the outfield, which I actually like better for them. I'm not a huge Lucas Duda fan. Um, he does have some power, but he hasn't stayed healthy long enough and proven himself to, you know, let's see what Conforto's got. I really like Michael Conforto. Yeah, and uh, something I want to bring up is, you know, the U.S. won the World Baseball Classic last night, and it kind of pained my heart for as much as I hate the Mets. I love David Wright. I really I wish Captain America could have at least been on the bench for the Team USA last night. I think that would have been a cool moment, you know. Anytime you got a nickname Captain America, you have to at least be there for support, right? Right. I mean, it, it would have been a nice gesture to have him there. Um, he may have wanted to have been there. I don't know what's going on. He may have been in some intensive rehab or something. You know, he's got he's got neck and back problems, spinal stenosis, you know. It's old bones. It's got to be, yeah. It's got to be painful for him every day to even try to play baseball. Um, so if they can get anything out of David Wright this year, they'll be happy. But the Mets have done already, you know, hey, we're not counting on it. Oh, yeah. But Wright's a baseball guy. Baseball He's guy's a baseball guy. He loves baseball guys. And money. So that, like. And, and there's money. It's hard money to give up. <laughs> but at some point, you know, he may have to. And, and it's going to be an end of an era thing. But you know what? The Mets got him to a World Series. He got to be part of the, yeah. you know, play in a World Series. Um, and still on the bench side, they got Juan Lagares, who's an outfielder. And their top prospect, that's not Conforto, is Brandon Nemo. Um, he played on the Italy team um, in the World Baseball Classic. Now, didn't they give uh, Juan Lagares a pretty healthy contract two years ago? I mean, like for an entry level guy, like yeah, it was like they, five million a year. They bought out some of his arbitration type stuff, but um, you know he's a decent center fielder guy to have on your team because they, I mean, they got Cespedes that's going to be playing center fielder. So if he ever gets hurt, you don't want Jay Bruce. You know, Granderson could play it, but Jay Bruce and Conforto is not center fielder material. <clears throat> but their lineup's better than uh, it's probably about the same as last year. Could be better. They got a full season out of Jay yeah. Bruce. Um, but the bread and butter of this team, if they're going to compete, is going to be that starting rotation, which I absolutely love. I wish they'd all stay healthy and be at their top of their game so we can see what they can do. These guys are all like 28 and below, and they were all, you know, they all have nasty stuff. Uh, coincidentally, most of them has had multiple surgeries in their careers as well. Though. Yeah. So I, I will get us started on the staff. So this is how I kind of had them, assuming everyone is healthy. Uh, I had Noah Syndergaard at the top, followed by Jacob DeGrom, uh, Matt Harvey, Steven Matz, and then uh, Zach Wheeler. But we don't really know what Zach Wheeler is going to have at this point. Zach Wheeler, um, he had Tommy John surgery a couple years ago. They thought he was going to come back at the end of last year. He had a little bit of a few setbacks. Um, They're hoping he pitches this year. They're kind of, you know, there's been rumors that he may just be a bullpen type guy. Um, I don't know. They got him in the, what trade did they get him in? The Beltron to San Francisco trade? I think so. Yes, yes, that is the trade they got huge, him in. He was their top pitching prospect, and he, they, uh, I think they, so I think they ought to let him start and at least see what he's got as long How as he's healthy. How old is he now? I don't know. He's not, I mean, he's still... Well, He's Beltron not old, old, but was Beltron in St. Louis for two or three years? I think just two years. So two years, and that was after San Francisco, and then he 
was in New, was York, in New York, York for for a couple of years. I, two or three. I don't know Zach Willie. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. He's not thirty. I know that, but you know, I think Zach Willie is one of the guys that signed out of high school though too. Yeah, but I I said in one of the podcasts before that I think that Cindergard and Degrom are like the the horses because you know they're they the are because you don't know what you get. But I think the best pitcher out of that group is Steven Matz. Yeah, I like Steven. I Matz. like him a lot. He's the lefty. You know, Cindergard. Okay, you know what? He's probably the best best. He throws hard, gets a lot of strikeouts and stuff. But Steven Matz is talented. Um, and one reason they let Bartolo go is because they had two guys emerge last year that, you know, did pretty good uh, filling in. Uh, Robert Gesselman and Seth Lugo, who pitched last night for Puerto Rico. Um, oh, was that who started for Puerto yeah. Rico last night? So okay. They're, they're, uh, they got seven guys that, that is in their starting rotation. And that may work out fine because, you know, maybe – Zach Wheeler, Steven Matz, Matt Harvey need to miss a few starts once in a while. Yeah. But uh, I, I have in my notes that uh, they should hit better than they did in the past this year. Uh, Jay Bruce is going to strike out a lot because Jay Bruce going to Jay Bruce. And uh, I love that rotation. You want to talk about their bullpen? Yeah, they have a good bullpen, too. They really kind of shorted up. They got a Jerry Familia, who uh, I think he's going to miss 30 days or 30 games. They haven't come down with a suspension yet, but, you know, he's one of them domestic violence guys mm-hmm. that there's a huge controversy right now that, well, baseball let him compete in the World Baseball Classic, but they're going to suspend him for a regular, you know, they're, then they're going to suspend him. Like, why let him play on a big stage and then suspend him? You know, kind of one of them things, but he's going to miss a, he's gonna miss a month, about a month of the season. Uh, they have Addison Reed, Fernando Salas, Hansel Robles, and they signed Jerry Blevins. Um, so they think they have a, uh, a decent bullpen to go with that starting lineup. Uh, so I don't know. I'm expecting a lot out of the Mets this year. Uh, they got, they, they got hitting, they got pitching. They might, they have the trade piece if, you know, they're probably willing to trade, uh, Jay Bruce or Curtis Granderson. Um, but it all comes down to them health. Yeah. And this, we're assuming health, but really for the Mets, they have to have, Cespedes has to stay healthy. You got to have him anchor in a lineup. He's been a monster the last couple of years, and you got to have that uh, pitching staff stay healthy. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So that's all we have for the Mets, and now we're gonna go to the last team. And I, and I, I, I screwed up the whole alphabetical order thing. I realized that uh, it, P does not come before N in <laughs> the alphabet. <laughs> So reading is overrated sometimes. Alphabet letters, that that who needs shit's kindergarten. <laughs> so uh, now we are on to the Washington Nationals, and so last year they they lost in the NLDS to the Dodgers, correct? Yes. So then they went out and they added Adam Eaton. You want to talk a little bit about that trade? That was kind of a big talk around baseball. Yeah, uh, people are split on that trade. Some people think the Nats gave up way too much. Um, you know what? Honestly, I'll just say it. They did. Oh, I yeah. I think they did. Adam Eaton, fine player. The sabermetric guys love him. The guys that don't believe in sabermetrics, uh, they're the guys that don't win World Series anymore, asked Theo. <laughs> uh, they look at his numbers, and they think it's just, wow, can't believe the Nats gave up so much. Uh, they gave up uh, Giolito. Yeah, uh, Lucas Renato Lopez. Yeah, I don't know how to say his last name. And who's the the third guy they gave up? Did they just give up two? 
Uh, there was a third guy, but I didn't have him wrote down. The big one was uh, Gelato. Gelato yeah. and the uh, and Reynaldo yeah. Lopez. They were the top two guys. But the third guy they have is a highly touted prospect, too. I'm sorry, I don't have the name. I probably have it on my White Sox notes. Um, but anyways, I think it was a hell of a haul for well, the White Sox, which we'll oh, get yeah. into with the White Sox. Um, I've never, I mean, Adam Eaton's a good ball player, but I've never been in love with Adam Eaton to the tune of giving up your number one pitching prospect and two other really good prospects. How do you, how do you feel about Eaton? Uh, well, I, I think they needed him. Yeah. I think they needed a, a solid center fielder at the top of the lineup. Um, apparently they didn't like the price for Fowler or, you know, Fowler didn't like going there. They didn't offer the years or something. Um, they do get a lot of con- cheap control of Adam Eaton. The Sabre numbers like him. He's going to get on base. He does about everything right. He's got a little pop. Um, so I don't... I, I think it's a fantastic trade for the White Sox. I think it's an okay trade for the Nationals. This is one of them we're going to have to play it out and see because pitching prospects are notorious for not turning out. Some people have rumbled that the Nats stopped believing in Giolito as a top-of-the-line starter so if he ends up being a bullpen guy then you know all of a sudden maybe the Nats won this trade yeah I mean that makes it start looking a lot different if you talk about that they need guys on for Bryce and now they have Adam Eaton and who's probably going to win rookie of the year this year Trey Turner Um, you know I don't know maybe he batted too much last year to be a rookie I'm not sure I have to go back and look but I think Trey Turner is still has his rookie status dude's a stud Somehow oh, yeah. the Nats got in with the trade with the Rays and the Padres. They just like snuck in and got Trey Turner and Joe Ross. They just like come in and they really didn't give up much. Like it was a Padres, oh my God, dumb trade. Just Trey Turner going to be an absolute stud. I'm telling you right now. He's going to be their shortstop. He played center for him last year, not his natural position. He's, him and Adam Eaton are going to get on base. They're going to steal some bases. And Bryce Harper's going to bat third and hit some dingers. And make baseball fun again. And make baseball fun again. He really will. Bryce Harper's leading the league in home runs in spring training so far. Second place, Addison Russell. Uh, So Bryce Harper, I'm expecting a bounce back year for him. He did not have a good year last year following his MVP campaign. So so help me. I have him on my fantasy team. If Joe Madden walks him like nine times in a three-game set, I am going to be pissed. (laughs) They did say Joe Madden broke Bryce Harper last year. I watched that series on TV, and, you know, during the game, you could tell it was getting to Bryce because he's, you know, walk him, walk him, walk him. Didn't matter. There was two guys on. Joe Madden walked him to fill the bases because he's like, hell, we'll pitch to Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah. I I don't blame him either. So, uh, who do you have hitting after Bryce? Uh, Daniel Murphy. Solid year last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, didn't he finish second in MVP voting, I think? He did. Yeah. So he, uh, you know, a lot of people I knew said he should have won MVP, but that was just trying to get under my skin. <laughs> uh, but he did finish second. He had a fantastic year after the Mets let him go. Uh, and coincidentally, I heard a stat the other night or something that he batted almost 500 against the Mets last year in 19 games or whatever. Wow. Yeah, so he... Uh, he was ready to uh, face his old team again. Uh, you know, the only thing is, he's the guy you probably want batting fourth. 
but him and Harper are both lefties, so do you go lefty back-to-back in the lineup? I don't know. Uh, but you know what? Dusty Baker figured all that stuff out, but right now it just makes sense that Murphy bats four. Uh, after Murphy, you got Anthony Rondone playing third base. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman still at first base. Jason Worth in left field. And when I made this, Derek Norris was still on the team. He's gone. Matt Wieters is in. They signed Matt Wieters. So, you know. I wonder if they went Kenny Powers. I'm fucking in. You're fucking out. <laughs> they, you know, they might have. Who knows? So, right now, that's probably not their lineup. Um, I would say Wieters will probably bat sixth. And, you know, Jason Worth may find himself in the eight hole. I think he's in the last year of that huge deal. He signed seven years, $144 million or something like that when we were all just like, oh, my God. Hey, I'd take $20 million a year at a bad eighth. Yeah, I mean, I would, too. I was just, It's just kind of now the way contracts are, he was one of the first ones, big, huge outfield contract. I was never really a Jason Worth fan when he played for Me the either. Phillies. And they, you know, whatever. He got paid. Um, they love him, but... He's getting toward the end of his career, and Ryan Zimmerman, the original Nat. Um, if they can find a better first baseman, I, you know, they they're going to replace him eventually too because he's had he's played all over the field, has defensive problems, not that reliable of a bat anymore. So let's get into their pitching staff for the 2017 season. Uh, well, you got Max Scherzer, top of the order. Won the Cy Young last year. Stole it from Kyle Hendricks or John Lester. Uh, so hope Boat he feels steals. good about that. Yeah. Uh, Stossberg batting second. He's one of them guys that he, there's days he lives up to the hype, and there's days it's like, man, did they pay him too much money. And he signed that long extension to with him. Um, so, you know, obviously the Nats still like him and what he's got. High strikeout pitcher even after his Tommy John. Um they babied him at the beginning of his career, which was a mistake because he ended up getting Tommy John anyways. That's why I'm always like, if you got a stud pitcher, just use him till he goes out, because some of these guys you just know are getting Tommy John. None of that, none of that. Steven Strasburg, Matt Harvey, BS. If you're a stud, go out there and throw your arm out. Most guys, it seems like anymore, are getting Tommy John at some point in their career anyway. So just go out, pitch like a man. If you need Tommy John, get it. That's, I mean, that's what I'm saying is they they lost the playoffs because they shut him down that year. They lost the Cardinals in, what, game five? Yep. That was his rookie year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Something like that. You know, Strasburg didn't pitch that game. If he pitched earlier on in the series, they might not have had to go to a game five. And that's the thing with these Washington Nationals is every year it's all they can compete for the World Series. They got a World Series team. Deep playoff run. We hear it every year. We're going to hear it this year. Hasn't happened. It's time for them to put up or shut up because their window's closing. They might lose Bryce in a couple years. They should go all out. Um, Do you think Bryce gets $50 million a year? No, but I think he signs a, I think he signs somewhere like a 13-year, $450 million deal. Half of a billion dollars. That is insane. That is, uh, that's what he's going to get. And here's the thing, uh, you know, we can debate this now or later or on a completely different podcast. It doesn't matter, but Buster only had a one of his blog pieces out where 
he was asking scouts and executives, would you rather have Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? And most of them picked Machado, and I'm on the Machado side too. I love Manny Machado. Oh, Him, I do too. Trout and Harper all came up at the same time. The only ones anyone cared about was Harper and Trout. Why Machado was just doing his business in uh, Baltimore. Um, it'd be a great coup for the area, Washington and Baltimore area, if they could keep Bryce and Machado throughout their whole years, because that'd be a great regional rivalry. Two guys Beltway. about the same, about the same. You know, they're about age. the same level player, same age. Um, it'd be great if they could both stay that, and you know, not gonna happen. One of them's gonna go to the Yankees. One of them might go to the Dodgers, or the Phillies has got money. Um, or you know, the Orioles or the Nats might pay up. Who knows? But uh, all I know is I'd still take Mike Trout over both of them. Oh, I would too, and I'd take Chris Bryan over. I take Chris Bryan over Bryce Harper. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't not take Machado, Bryce Harper but over I don't know. Machado. I I might. I might. Okay. So and then behind, did we already do the rest of the pitching staff there, no, or did we just get Strasburg and we got, got to Strasburg distracted? And went, off and <laughs> went and ranted a little bit. That happens. That's going to happen on this podcast. That, you know, the next three guys that are going to round off that lineup: Joe Ross, Tyson Ross's brother. Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Roark, who pitched the semifinal game, World Baseball Classic. Roark may be the number three in that lineup. Yeah. Or in that rotation. Um, the big question mark for the Nationals is their, who's going to close? They struck out on Mark Melanson. They struck out on Kenley Jansen. I don't even think they made an offer for Chapman. Um, everyone kind of knew he was just going to go back to the Yankees. Um, right now, I think it's behind between Sean Kelly and Blake Trainin. Um, that's not to say they're not going to make another deal with the Nats for David Robertson. Uh, I think they probably should have tried to get Robertson while they made that trade for Adam Eaton. Um, that would have just made sense. Throw a fourth guy in there. and Oh, yeah. If you're going to go for it, go for it. Because now the, now the White Sox are going to, you know, they're going to try to uh, take him again. They're, you want David Robertson? Well, now you're going to have to pay up. It would have been easier to package him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you, you you need a closer. You have to have one. Look at the Giants last year. That's why they ended up for Mark Melanson. They didn't have a lot of extra money to spend, but they knew they had to because Bruce Bochy's bullpen cost them beating the Cubs. They could have won that series easy, but they had a, his bullpen had a complete come apart. Sometimes you have to pay a lot of money. Sometimes you just have to send Jorge Soler to Kansas City. Sometimes that's what you got to do. And you know what, though? The Cubs, they gave up Gleyber Torres for Chapman, and it's worth it. Torres is like the number two prospect in baseball now. Going to be absolute stud. The Yankees' new Derek Jeter. Um, he's probably going to be better than Derek Jeter. He might not hit 3,000 hits, but he's a way better defender than Derek Jeter ever was. Um, uh, this so. would be a good place to have uh, Ryan Spader on to talk about Jeter's uh, defensive war and how yeah, shit that, it Yeah, was. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Ryan will get back to me and come on the podcast sometime. Um to round out the, the the Nationals, they have a decent bench. They really do. They got Stephen Drew, who continues to find work, even though I don't think he's that good. Hell yeah! Um, and they they signed Adam Lind, who had a good season with the, the Mariners last year, and you may remember he played for the Brewers some. Oh yeah, uh, hit a lot of home runs. Um, so he may actually play. Him and Zimmerman may end up splitting time. Like they uh, first base. Zimmerman struggles. Yeah, Zimmerman struggles. Boom! Adam Lind may be playing. Um, for prospects, they traded most of their prospects. 
They have, I mean, they're okay farm system. It's not the greatest. The top one they have is Victor Robles. Um, he's the guy that they said was untouchable. Uh, so obviously they do have outfield spots opening up with Jason Worth leaving. So they're hoping Robles can fill in next year for that. Um, but it's a typical Nats team. They're going to have some good arms. They got some good hitting. Uh, they're going to make a strong playoff push. Um, they, they will be a team picked to win the World Series by, I don't know, three out of the 25 ESPN voters probably. Um, so I don't trust ESPN. Year. Well, no one should. But fake news. Fake news. Uh, <laughs> no no one should trust them. But, you know, you got the Nats uh, that uh, they're just going to be the typical Nats team that doesn't go away. Do you want to do some predictions now, or do you want to save it for a uh, future podcast? Yeah, well, podcast? let's let's go ahead and just uh, and, and just tell everyone our predictions here, and uh, you want to you know, start we it may off. Recap everything. Yeah, I will, because I know me and Devin's going to be a little different on this, because every year it seems he loves to hate the Mets, um, which is crazy, because I'm pretty sure in his room here he's got a Mets hat hanging up somewhere. False. I know he's got one though. I don't see one. There's somewhere. about thirty casts so, up here. Somewhere, but he's I got one. one. He used to be a Mets fan. Mike Piazza. I uh, I do have the Mike Devin Piazza jersey a, in yeah, the other room. <laughs> Devin, Devin was a catcher, so he liked Mike Piazza. Uh, but I have the Mets winning the winning the East right now. I have them slated for ninety two wins. That's obviously not. Uh, that's not like just running away with the division or anything. Uh, I have the Mets. Or the Nats second with 89 wins. Uh, you know, they're each probably going to win a couple more games what I got slated for. The Nats could win the division. I just think the Mets, and I'm assuming health here. Yeah. With that pitching staff, I just think the Mets comes away with it. But I do think that the Nats and Mets will beat up on each other enough to keep one of them from winning 96, 97 games. I got the Marlins finishing third at 82 and 80. Right around 500. That seems about right. I think they could win. I think they could win maybe five more games on top of that. Um, I I think they'll be in the wild card hunt, but I just don't think they're they'll be able to get there. I think they need another arm or two. Um, but don't count out Donnie baseball. The Braves. I have them winning 75 games. They got enough veteran guys on their team and decent enough arms. They should be able to get to 75 wins. And rounding out, I got the Phillies at 65 and 97. They're one of the teams I have picked that actually might surprise. If there are arms, you know, if Hellickson and Noah, Eikhoff, uh, if they pitch um, what they're capable of doing in Veliquez, uh, you know, they could win 75, 76 games. Their offense is just not going to quite be there. They don't have that one thumper in the lineup that you get scared of. So on my National League East predictions, I have the Nats winning at 91 and 71. And Lucas was right. I, I did throw a little just natural hate on the Mets. Had them finishing second at 86 and 76. I'm flip-flopping two teams here as Lucas is looking. Lucas actually sold me on the Marlins, so I'm flopping the Marlins and the Braves. Got the Marlins finishing third at 78 and 84. The Braves finishing fourth at exactly what Lucas had them at. 75 and 87 and then i have the lowly phillies at 72 and 90 so that wraps up the national league east and our whatever in the hell day it is thursday thursday podcast 
And we will be back the next five days with more division-by-division predictions. So, for Lucas Jones, I'm Devin Keeney. Have a wonderful afternoon, everybody.